do it, man. All right. Hey, small group leaders, uh, those of you that are attending small groups, and uh, for those of you that are just listening in, this is uh, our weekly podcast that we do every Tuesday. We're getting it out a little bit late, but um, we're still getting it out. Uh, thank you, Pastor Andrew, for being sitting down and, and uh, being willing to answer some of these questions and work through this. Um, well, this is exciting. I pulled you out of... Uh, working on uh, uh, more teaching and stuff that you're going to start doing to, so that you can answer these questions. So Spiritual formation class. Yes. yes. Um, which uh, some new ones start up this Wednesday. So absolutely. Yes, please get involved. Um, so I received some questions that, and I figure that we can, uh, as much as time allow allows kind of go through uh, these various questions that we got from different small group leaders this week. Um, and so I thought that we could start off first with um and this was something uh, I didn't uh, hear you say in this, this uh, sermon that I sat down in, so we were trying to process it just a minute ago about the idea of group thought that you brought up. I guess it was in the third service. Right, third service. Um, and so um, so you brought up group thought or group thinking um, that, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, it, it deals with uh, people who strive for a consensus within a particular group, and the danger is that uh, a lot of times people will set aside their own personal beliefs or adopt the opinion of the rest of the group just from different various pressures. And so one of our questions relates group thinking to that of um, uh, a lack of leadership, godly leadership in the church. And so the question is, when there's no leader, there's this uh, becomes this idea of, of group thought, um, I think you mentioned in mm-hmm. your sermon, uh, the disciples, they didn't uh, submit, but they fell into group thought, which was bad because they went along with Judas. And so the question goes, if we have a bad or worse leader, are we to submit to them if they're not preaching the gospel, or are we supposed to pray that God uses this bad leader to make us more like Jesus Christ? And so are we, uh, and and I think they're relating group thought there because they're saying, uh, it and it don't you fall into the dangers of group thought right, if right, you right. suppress your convictions, if you have right. this ungodly leader? And so when do you not follow the leader, I think is... Right. Well, I mean, there's still wisdom. James 1.5, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, it gives to all men and women liberally. The idea is we still don't throw out our decision-making abilities or the decision-making filter of the Spirit of God and the Word of God in following a leader. If they're saying something that's contrary to the scripture, if they're, you know, then they're apostasy. I mean, they're an apostasy or they're an apostate. Um, they are somebody that's um, outside of Christianity, what we'd say biblical Christianity. Um, the idea then is in group thought, and when I talk about it with the disciples, in the Gospel of John, um, you have Jesus clearly trying to direct the disciples, um, and then you have Judas kind of, there's this undercurrent of Judas. Um, it, the best example is in the Gospel of Luke. There's also one in, in the Gospel of John where um, you see the woman we- weeping over Jesus' feet and washing Jesus' feet with her tears, and, um, you know, and everyone is looking at her saying, well, she's, she's a sinful woman. If Jesus was really a prophet, he would do that. The disciples are around the table as well. They're not commenting. They're not saying anything. And then you see another uh, passage of Scripture in John where John kind of gives a little bit more insight when they're at Simon the leper's house 
you have Lazarus around the table, you have the disciples there, and Mary comes and she breaks open the ointment and it fills and puts it on Jesus' feet and she's washing it with her hair. And Judas basically says, this should have been sold and given to the poor. And John writes, you know, he said this because he was a thief and he stole money from it. But in the text, you don't see that the disciples rebuked Judas. You don't see the disciples saying anything. You see Jesus rebuking everybody at the table because they were all in a kind of an agreement with Judas. Um, And group thought is really, you violate your own conscience. You violate your own beliefs for the sake of getting along with the group. That's a huge tenet of group thought. And... um, so the idea is, um, I might not believe this, but because um, it's going to really upset and disrupt the group dynamic, I'm not going to say it, or I'm not going to stand for it, um, because it's just easier and better to get along. That's kind of the, the idea of group thought. And so you see Jesus in, in his disciples, he's kind of coming against that at times, um, with his disciples. And uh, John gives us a little commentary on it. Um, in regards to Judas, even even Peter, the Apostle Peter, when um, G- Jesus and Peter kind of clash a few times, um, when Jesus is, um, you know, saying, hey, I'm going to go to the cross, and, and Jesus looks, and Peter says, no, you're never going to go, and basically Jesus is like, get thee behind me, Satan, like, I mean, don't, you know, you, Christ has to be obedient to this, and the disciples were all there, probably in agreement, like, yeah, we're with you, Jesus. Yeah, we're with Peter. What, what in the world, Peter, Jesus, don't say this. This is negative talk. And Jesus rebukes it and says, no, I'm speaking truth, truth talk. So that's, that's the idea. But it's not, when, you're, when, you're, when, we talk to un, when we think about ungodly leadership, I didn't talk about ungodly leadership. I just talked about poor leadership. Um, if God's called you to a church, if God's called you to serve and be a part of a local body, um, sometimes the leadership will be great and sometimes it'll be poor. But just because it's poor, you don't leave. But if it's ungodly, no, absolutely. Then Can you give us some handles, maybe define the difference between poor leadership and ungodly leadership? If they, Yeah, poor leadership is um, the leader it doesn't communicate well, the leader is um, makes decisions based upon um, what's in the best interest of a few instead of kind of the, the entire church. Poor leadership are, are those types of things. It's, it's personal preferences of the leaders that are probably not the best, um, most selfless decisions. Um, it's not to say that they're not saved, because if the leader's not a Christian, especially in regards to the church— um, then you definitely, the question is, is it really a church? If there's a bunch of ungodly people that call themselves a church, but yet they are completely devoid of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then it's either a social club or it's a community service outreach. I mean, the gospel has to be front and center. What are some warning signs maybe for ungodly leadership? Um, ungodly leadership is leadership I would definitely say that ungodly leadership is that that um, is always about they well I mean look at First Timothy chapter three and it gives the qualifications of a pastor or an elder that's godly leadership they're not a lover of money they're not they're not drunkards um, they're not you know 
They, they lord over their own family well. I mean, that's godly leadership. I mean, I think the Apostle Paul, if you look at 1 Timothy and if you look at Titus, you can see that he lays out these characteristics of a godly deacon, a godly elder, a godly pastor. These are the things that, that reveal godliness, and um, these characteristics are godly. And so those are people that you're to fault, not a novice, like somebody that's not newly saved. Um, these are the things, um, not arrogant. Um, now, here's the deal. Arrogance being in the sense of, are they arrogant all the time, or they made an arrogant decision being controlled by their flesh? So, I mean, the idea is, is it fleshly leadership? Am I trusting in my flesh, the leader, and makes a bad decision, or is it a consistent pattern? It's the same, like, you know, we make a mistake, the Holy Spirit does His job by convicting us of sin, we repent, and then we continue to walk in our relationship with Christ. Um, where in somebody who feels the conviction of the Holy Spirit does not repent of sin and stays in sin, that's a pattern. Then what will happen is, over time, it'll just become a pattern of ungodliness in their life. So that's, that's when you look and say, okay, this has gone from poor leadership to ungodly leadership. Making a mistake is a mistake. Repent, move on. That's the beauty of the gospel. But the pattern is unrepentance, lack of humility. It's moving in those things. And, and Jesus, Jesus uh, talks about that in regards to that of the, the scribes and the Pharisees. You see that they were, they were all about themselves. They were not, there was no humility. They, wanted, they did things to be seen by all. Um, the, the story of the tax collector and the Pharisee when they go into the temple to pray. You know, I, I thank you, God, the Pharisee says, I'm not like this tax collector. Where on the other side, you see the um, tax collector can't even look to heaven and he's beating his chest. And it's the idea of, you know, hey, this one went out justified. This one went out pure and clean and redeemed where the Pharisee was just praying to himself. I mean, it, it, the question is, is it an ongoing pattern or is it just, oh, they made a bad choice, they've repented, and they're moving on? Um, because inevitably, people are going to say and do things that the flesh is going to get the better at some point or another. And you just don't look and go, oh, they made a mistake, I'm out of here. Yeah. So for those people that <clears throat> maybe are experiencing not necessarily the, um, uh, the what was the type of leader you had the ungodly leader and what was the other the one you just, the poor leader okay they're not necessarily experiencing the poor leader they're experiencing the ungodly leader uh, and in, you know in my mind I think of certain uh, habitual character issues mm -hmm. um, uh, I, I think of uh, a blatant heresy um, I also think there was something a pastor said to me um, uh, a long time ago that. Uh, a, a danger, especially from the pulpit, is the emphasis to be on the wrong things, habitually on the wrong things, yes. is a more subtle heresy there. Um, if if those things are being experienced, um, how can people be like the Berean? Like, uh, maybe speak to the, uh, what's the, uh, what's the way to be a Berean? Right. Um, you know, because there's a way to rebel against a, a, a false teacher, an ungodly right. teacher, in a way that's honoring to the Lord, and there's a way to do it in a way that's dishonoring to the Lord, right. too. And so how do we? How can we be Bereans in, in that context? Well, and the Bereans were unified. They're a church, 
and they were unified. And so when Paul comes in, they were checking everything with the scripture. So, I mean, I think the scripture is a huge, huge aspect. Um, and they were there constantly looking at what the apostle Paul is actually saying. I, I think if you look at the epistle Jude and you look at second Peter, um, you see how they are confronting um, in in strong, strong terms false teachers, false doctrine. The Apostle Paul does this as well in several um, several of his books. Um, but it's extremely affrontive. If they're in a situation or they're in a church where false doctrine is being preached, um, stand up. Um, and say this is wrong, um, and you need to repent. Um, it's Matthew eighteen. At that point, go to the go to the person and say, "Hey, this is what you said. It was in violation of Scripture, and violated my conscience and the power of the Spirit of God in my life." And I'm asking you to repent. If they don't repent, then bring someone else. And if they still don't re- repent, so I mean, this is how churches are split sometimes, um, you know. And that's a good split. Um, where the godly are looking and saying, okay, this is ungodly. The bad splits that happen in church churches is, I don't like the color of the carpet, I don't like the color of the curtains, or I don't like the what the pastor said in regards to this. He was preaching too hard on sin, or I don't... You know, it's that idea that I'm talking about in submission, and it's like, no, you, you need to submit the personal preferences that you want because God's the one that put him in place if he's a godly leader. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the point, but I'm, man, I love the, I love the question. And I think as a Berean, as a Berean, you're looking constantly at the word of God going, is this of God or is this not of God? And what's the guidelines? Well, the, I think the two riverbanks really are the word of God and the Holy spirit of God in the life of the believer. And um, when they run into those, um, it's very clear for you to say, okay, we have a problem, and um, to call out the heresy. I mean, I know in Jude and Second Peter, they are clearly calling out the heresies. Paul does it as well. He even calls out people's names. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking when you were speaking of, I mean, we're celebrating 500 years of uh, Luther nailing the 95 Theses in Wittenberg mm-hmm. and... and uh, his attempt wasn't even to uh, I, the the Roman Catholic Church was committing adultery in in the sense of mm-hmm. um, they were preaching a, another gospel or they were modifying the gospel and he was calling them back to doctrinal right. purity. He you know he was trying to reform the Catholic Church and and unfortunately that didn't work and that's what caused the split. But the goal was to uh, Work within that local church context right. in that moment to 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 call right. them back to faithfulness. And, well, and, 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 it, and it, when you read about Luther, you see that he was he was trying to work it with in the priest. He wrote the ninety five thesis in Latin, not in the spoken language of the day, which was German. He's trying to he was trying to reform the leadership of the church, and basically they kicked him out because of it. And so therefore, then he said, "Okay, let's get to this." And so leaving the Leaving the church over doctrinal issues is one thing, um, or heresy, um, but leaving the church over the carpet color or a lack of preference, um, or because I was offended by something that was said instead of working through that or submitting to the leadership that God has placed, that's another thing, because you take that offense to the next church that you go to, 
and then you're going to be just as easily offended. And what ends up happening is you have people that are not dealing with the issues in their own lives. They're blaming everybody else for it. And I think that that's, and that's what God is calling us to. He wants to conform us into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. And so He's going to use all types of people to do that. But when it comes to false doctrine and false teaching that violates Scripture, that's when you can't stand for it. That's when you draw the line in the sand and say, this is a violation of Scripture, clearly, and, um, and getting other people involved. And it's not your interpretation of Scripture. It's, this is, it's, it's prayerfully to consider it. It's to look at it. It's to talk to other people about it. It's, it's one of those things that's saying, because to accuse somebody of heresy is, I mean, that's a serious, serious um, accusation to make against somebody. There's an admiration that I have, I think, for, for those faithful ministers who maybe were in these churches that were unfaithful, and uh, you know, our natural instinct is to, okay, I'm just going to up and leave and go somewhere else immediately, and that may be what needs to happen at some point, but the first reaction not being, I'm going to up and leave, but I'm going to try to respectfully work and labor to call this church back to faithfulness in some way. And I think we, you and I were talking about J.I. Packer. Uh, he labored and labored until eventually he got kicked out of the denomination. And um, Right. Um, but I, I admire his commitment to try to call his denomination back to biblical faithfulness. Um, and so... No, he was, he was, no, I mean, he was Episcopalian his whole life. And, um, and then to have his own church kick him out because of his stance on the gospel and, um, what the gospel clearly stands for and represents in regards to our sanctification was admirable. And he wasn't going to leave. And then God said, okay, now it's time to leave because in the sovereignty of God, then God put it upon our leaders to kick him out. And, um, so very, very faithful. But it wasn't just him. There was a whole lot of other people that got kicked out or left because of that. And um, in the North American Anglican Church now. You kind of hit on this already, so we don't need to spend a lot of time on it. Um, but you made the comment, uh, I think your quote was, uh, followers must eliminate their trust in the natural to submit to God's supernatural leaders. Uh, that's the com- that's your uh, right. your comment. So the question is, how are leaders supernatural? Uh, this person's trying to rectify um, that statement in regards to Paul down uh, Paul rebuking the divisions in the church by saying that the uh, the preachers that they have set up so high are right. merely servants of, right. of of the Lord. Well. Th- 1 Corinthians 2.14, for the natural man can't understand the things of God, for they're spiritually discerned. And so what happens use is... natural, that's what you're referring to. I'm talking about that. That's the context of without using Christ. the word natural without Christ. Okay. It's in, And we have a default position sometimes as Christians to fall back into our flesh, which is just um, the old remnants of the natural man. And, um, and so when I went through the grocery list of, you know, trusting in money, we have to eliminate the trust in money and the trust in power and the trust, eliminate those things. What I'm communicating is, is we go back to the default position. And when I talk about the supernatural, um, leader of Christ, I'm talking about the leader who is not apostate, 
um, somebody who submits to the gospel of Jesus Christ in the in the Scripture and is filled with the Holy Spirit. Supernatural meaning not natural, meaning empowered by the Holy Spirit. the The Holy Spirit makes us supernatural. Um, it's it's not Benny Hinn. It's, it's not, not it's Benny, not Benny Hinn. Hinn. It's not, it's ben, not the yeah. man on high. Or, yeah. yeah, it's not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to give everybody. I'm not trying to say the man of God syndrome. And the man of God syndrome is because I'm the man of God. I can do whatever I want. I can say what I want and do what I want. And you have to obey. Um, within the con, that that's ridiculous. And there is a lot of that in the in the church. So you have, you know, they take two offerings. They have an offering for the church, and then they have an offering for the pastor because this is his slush account, or you know, it's those types of things. It's because I'm the man of God. And we've all had experience. I mean, I know you have a testimony of, uh, at least I think I remember you saying this. So I hope I'm not bringing something up that's not true. But being seeing those guys with that man of God syndrome, that's uh, even though they're not verbally saying this, it's as if okay, the man's going to go get the word of God off from the mountain and he's going to come down and he's going right. to bark the orders at us of right. what to do and we got to submit to that. And right, you will you, listen to me. That's not what you're talking right. about when you say supernatural leader. No, I'm not talking about the man of, that, that man of God mentality. I'm talking about the supernatural leader who is humble and is a servant. And, and, and the Apostle Paul, in that text that I spoke in 1 Corinthians 4, where it talks about that... Um, the idea of him being humble, the ones that are being doormats, the, he calls themselves refuse. And he was, he was sarcastic in the sense of, you guys think you have it all together, you think you're so great, but the reality is, is we as the apostles that have laid the foundation for this, um, we're not even, we're, we're not trying to, um, you know, assert beyond the gospel. We're not trying to assert. And that goes back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where Paul says, when I came to you, I didn't come with excellency of speech, declaring unto you the wisdom of man, but in a demonstration of the power of God. So it's your faith went rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. So the supernatural man walks in the power of God. The supernatural leader walks in the power of God. And that's the demonstration of the power that the Apostle Paul, that's why he said, imitate me in 1 Corinthians 4. Imitate what I'm doing. And um, to imitate him, to be that type of leader is to die to yourself. It's not to trust in your flesh at all, but to trust in the, the greatness and awesomeness of Christ and the supremacy of Christ. John boils it down in chapter 3 to, uh, he must increase, I must decrease. Correct. Um, so... Um. So I think we got time for one more question. So thanks for staying here this long. Um, you made mention of, um, uh, I think one of your points is leaders are always faithful. And so the question is, how can a human leader always be faithful? Um, well, with man, it is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Um, no, I think faithfulness is, is like I said earlier, it's the idea of they're living in short account um, with, with God. Um, they, don't, they don't let things build up. They confess their sins, and then they move on. Um, they, they're constantly walking in that relationship with Christ. They forget those things which are behind. They press on towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. They're the ones that lay aside every sin and every weight. 
It doesn't mean they don't sin. It doesn't mean they don't have weights. Um, but it means that they lay those aside as best they can. They walk in transparency. Um, that's that's the idea of um, of that 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 type of leader who is faithfully consistent year after year walking with Christ, especially in today's day and age. I mean, where you see Christian leaders, pastors, um, priests, you you see them in sexual immorality and you see them leaving their wives and you see them, you know, that you see them stealing money and you're seeing doing those things. I mean, being always faithful is somebody who is consistently shows up every week to faithfully preach the word of God to faithfully give the gospel, to faithfully love his flock, to faithfully care for his flock, day after day after day. That would be like this, um, so it's not sinless, um, it's not that this person is perfect, right? Um, but it's that this person, by the power of the Holy Spirit, perseveres in their ministry. To the very end. And so the, you know, I was talking about the, um, this pastor I heard preach last week, and, and he's in his 80s, and he pastored the same local church for 50 years and he just stepped down and he handed it off to his grandson who had he had raised up to yeah. take that church on and and so it's for beautiful. that I, I think yeah I mean I, I and he still pre I mean he preached five times in two days when I was with him and uh which was um, if I can preach five times in two days in my 80s that's incredible but uh, I, I I think of man I I, I want to um by God's grace and the Holy Spirit living in me, persevere in, in a consistent ministry that... Um, well, and that's what the Apostle Paul wanted to do. That's why he said, imitate me. Because Apostle, the Apostle Paul in in 1 Corinthians 4, imitate me, imitate me. That idea of um, I am I am persevering to the end. I'm not, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to be faithless. Um, I mean, the ESV translates it trustworthy, but the, the New Living Translation translates that word trustworthy as faithful. Um, and so that's where, that's where the faithful came from. And I think that refers back to the 1 Corinthians 1-9 passage where it is God is faithful, and God has called us to be faithful. And we need to continue to live faithful as believers. How much more so should our leaders then always be faithful and consistent, persevering to the end as the example to be imitated um, as they're imitating and trying to follow Christ in everything that they say and do. So, um, no, I, it's it's the, the difference, I think, too, is you, you're looking at the idea of once we're justified by Christ, then there's this process called sanctification that comes after and that we have to be faithful in the process where God is sanctifying us to do his good works, to do what the Father has asked. John 14, Jesus is saying, I hadn't come to do my own works, but I came to do the works of the Father. It's this idea that there is a work that God has for us, and that we're to do that faithfully to the end, and that your Christian, you should expect your Christian leaders to do that faithfully to the end. And that, that, that when we stand before God one day, and this is where when I was talking about, well done, thou good and faithful servant, I think, you know, some people say, isn't that just going to be Christ? And, and I think there's going to be this love fest with Christ in that moment. But I really think that there's this point where we're going to, you know, he, he's going to look wood, hay, and stubble. 
you know, what are the things that we've done in our own? I mean, Paul talks about this. Jesus talks about this. So I think there's this there's this sense that God does have something for us to do, and I think He's not going to expect it, expect it from us if He's not going to inspect it when we stand before Him one day. Um, he's going to say, "Hey, uh, at least ask." I don't think He's not. I, I think He's even going to ask. So I mean, and there's a lot of discussion, and that kind of gets into eschatology and the, the study of the end times and what does that mean. Yes, Christ is all sufficient, but at the same time, He does have a work for us, those that are justified in Christ. But um, that's a greater that's a that's a whole another discussion. Well, I, I try to always give this to Sean, so you may not have any more. But is was there any point that you wanted to uh, you wish you would have been able to tease out more, or anything you wish that you had time to extend that you wanted to say real quickly before I shut it down? Yeah, I mean the only the only thing would be unpacking the idea of sanctification to the end for the for the Christian and the rewards and standing before God. That's the part that I really I mean, that that's a that's an entire series on what does it mean that we're gonna give an account? What does it mean that God's going to to look at our motives, you know, when we in First Corinthians four at the very beginning when he's talking about that idea that we're gonna be judged just not on what we do, but but why we do what we do. I mean, that the whole idea of he's going to be looking at our motives, um, there's a lot of scripture in that. And I think that's a that that's what motivates that that's what motivates the believer to walk in this life each and every day, this Christian life, because Jesus rose from the dead, bodily rose from the dead. Therefore, then I want to live this out. And how do I live this out? Um, and what's the end goal, and what are we looking for in the end? When I, I mean, I think about the pastor from Iraq who was just tragically killed last week, and how he lived it out to the very end, the faithfulness, and the idea of the crowns in heaven, how we're going to get crowns, what does that mean? How does that, how do, I mean, there's a lot there that um, that Jesus talks about, the Apostle Paul talks about, I mean, some of the other apostles as well. In scripture, but we didn't have time. Yeah. Well, this is a word just when you were speaking uh, it, that, um, I mean, this is James. It gets into um, some of what you're saying, but I think it's a warning for us as pastors. Um, I mean, he says in James 3 1, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And so for me, I'm looking at that and saying, um, I need to make sure that I'm a very good steward, as, as the Holy Spirit allows me to be, um, of the gospel, the message that God's entrusted to me, the things that I'm saying from the pulpit. I need to make sure that um, I'm glorifying God with how I'm handling the Word, because I'm going to stand before God one day and give an account for that. Um, right. Well, and that's that's Second Timothy at the very end when the Apostle Paul's kind of talking, and he's giving us final word. He says, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and um, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but they will, um, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itchy ears. You know, I think that's the contrast of, hey, they're going to be judged more severely, but then there's teachers that are, that are going to be kind of communicating things that are not sound doctrine because the people have itchy ears. It's more important to get butts in the chair sometimes is what is what he's saying. Don't don't worry about that. You be faithful. And then he talks about his faithfulness. 
and his endurance to the end. Well, thanks so much, Pastor Andrew, for sitting down with me. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, Small group leaders, thank you guys for listening in. And um, remember, uh, this coming Sunday, we're going to be doing in the third service the ordination for Josh Schwarting. Yes. And so we would love for you guys to come to the third service. You want to participate in that. um, And uh, um, make sure you love on them. Absolutely. And uh, that's it. So.